Blog Talk Radio.
six minutes, I'm going to use it all because God has been speaking to me and he is saying quite a lot. So I do want to get a couple of things. Um, Let's get some uh, uh, things in order so that you will know what's going on. Now, um, if you want to uh, reach this ministry by mail or um, by internet, uh, by email, I'm sorry, I missed. You can reach us PO Box one one four eight. That's Walkertown, North Carolina two seven one zero five. If you'd like to reach us by email, reach us at J E T two four five at M S N dot com. Um, if this ministry blesses you in any way and you feel led to sow a seed into this ministry, there are two ways that you can do that. You can do it by PayPal and um, using that email address, jet245 at msn.com, or Zell, Z-E-L-L-E, using the same email address, jet 245 at msn.com. We um, love you. We enjoy being able to share the word with you here at Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry. And I'd like to invite you to our weekly, I mean daily, prayer line, the sweet hour of prayer. We have a prayer line. And it is growing by leaps and bounds, and all the glory belongs to God. And it's called the sweet hour of prayer. Jesus said to his disciples, can you not pray with me for one hour? So we come on uh, uh, the conference line to pray for one hour, Monday through Saturday at 12 noon. We pray from 12 noon to 1 p.m. That is Eastern Standard Time. On Sunday, we come on at 8 p.m. at night, Eastern Standard Time. So if you want to increase your prayer life or if you just want to join us for prayer, let me um, give you the number, the phone number to call in. The area code is 425-436-6333, and the code is 716-5050, followed by the pound sign. So I'm going to give you the phone number again. So get your pencils, get your paper, and write it down. Sweet hour of prayer, Monday through Saturday, 12 noon Eastern Standard Time for one hour, Sunday at 8 p.m. for one hour Eastern Standard Time. And the phone number is area code 425-436-6333. And the code is 716-5050. Well, as I told you, we have a very exciting topic tonight, and it's called A New Beginning. And I want to just walk you through how God 
um, uh, spoke this message to me because it didn't just come um, overnight. It didn't just come in one one sitting. God began to just lay it out, and I, I want to share this with you. All right, so we know that um, Sunday that just passed was Pentecost. I celebrated it on the Sabbath day, which was Saturday. Glory be to God. So I began to do some research about it because the Holy Spirit spoke to me a word, and the word was a very bright expectation moving forward. So I knew this was about Pentecost. I knew it. I just intuitively knew that this word from the Lord was about Pentecost. So I began to study up on Pentecost and did some research. And one of the things uh, that I found was that, um, let, let me give you the scripture first. Let me do that. Our scripture tonight, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm so excited. Our scripture tonight comes from Psalm 85 and verse 6. So let me go there. And it says, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? That's Psalm 85 and 6. And the second scripture is found in Hosea. Glory be to God. Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. And it says, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the rain, the latter rain, and former rain upon the earth. So um, our message for tonight is a new beginning. So when I began to conduct research on Pentecost, I went to the scriptures first. I always go to the scriptures first, and then I'll look in other places to get more background information. Shall I say more historical information? But when I'm I'm, I'm studying a message, I, I, I'm always going to start with the scriptures first. So before Pentecost, the Holy Spirit had not yet come. The power and the authority that believers have after having received the Holy Ghost had not yet been sent. The Holy Spirit came 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. And um, 50, uh, Pentecost actually means 50. So after Jesus ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So if we we can look at Acts chapter 1, I, I want to go there. I'm going to cover a lot of scripture tonight. 
Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, this is Jesus talking before he ascended. And he said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. This is what Jesus said before he ascended on high. He told them, after you receive the Holy Ghost, you are going to have power. And when the Holy Ghost empowers you, you will be witnesses unto me. And he told them they would be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and it would spread forth to the uttermost parts of the earth. So then the Holy Spirit fell, the fire fell on the day of Pentecost, and the promise Jesus had made before he ascended was fulfilled, and the church was birthed. Now, the gospel spread, spread forth, and the church grew in power and in size. The scriptures tell us that Peter preached the very first message of the gospel, and 3,000 souls were added to the church. So now if we look at Acts chapter 2, which is on the day of Pentecost, we'll see what happened. The Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So now Jesus promised the Holy Spirit before he ascended on high in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But now in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the promise is being fulfilled. So we see that this is the day of Pentecost. He had told his disciples to go and wait for him in Jerusalem. And he said, wait for the promise until you be endued with power. Because you can't do nothing for God, the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. We need the power and the authority, glory be to God, to be able to be effective witnesses. That's just not people that's talking the talk, but people that are walking the walk. Signs, wonders, and miracles follow the word, the preached word. All right. So the scripture goes on to tell us that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together in one place and with one accord. And what that means is they were with one purpose or in one mind. I believe 
they probably were worshiping the Lord, but they were on one accord. There was no division. There was no bickering. There was no arguing. There was nobody trying to be in charge. They were waiting. They were waiting in expectation and anticipation of what the Lord had promised. So they um they waited for him until the Holy Spirit came. They waited in the upper room and they were on one accord. And the Bible said suddenly. Now when Jesus told them to wait for him, they did not know how long they were gonna have to wait. They had no idea. I don't think anybody even asked him, how long do we have to wait? I don't think that was on their mind at the time. They received his instructions and they waited for him. Glory be to God. They waited in one place. It wasn't one bunch over here, another little faction over here, and another little group over there. They waited in one place, and they were all in one accord. And the Bible says suddenly, that means without warning, the Holy Spirit came. There came a sound first from heaven. They heard, glory be to God, the sound of the Holy Spirit before the Holy Spirit even came into the room. But the sound was of a rushing mighty wind. So they heard the sound of the wind, glory be to God, and it filled all the house. The Holy Spirit came in like a whoosh, and they heard the sound of it. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And the Bible says, and there appeared unto them clothing tongues like a fire, like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. So everybody, glory be to God, was impacted by what was going on in this room. The scriptures tell us there were 120 in the upper room. They were waiting for the promise. Glory be to God, because they realized something about the Lord Jesus. Everything he had ever promised them came to pass. He promised them he would never leave them nor forsake them. He promised them that they would crucify him, but he would rise again on the third day. He promised them these things, and everything Jesus ever promised came to pass. So they were waiting. And the Bible says that clothing tongues like as a fire came and sat upon each of them. So nobody got left out. If they were in that room, they received the promise. Glory be to God. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I want to talk about this because a lot of people think that the Holy Spirit is just tongues. The Holy Spirit is much more than tongues, but the tongues accompany the Holy Spirit. There are people that say they have the Holy Spirit, they are filled with the Holy Spirit, but they don't have the tongues. I beg to differ with you because every occasion in the Bible 
when there was an infilling of the Holy Spirit, tongues accompanied it. Glory be to God. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues. Now, these were not man-made tongues. They didn't go into a back room and somebody teach them what to say. No, this was by the Spirit. The Bible said, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So it bothers me when I see these ministries that try to teach people how to talk in tongues. The devil is a lie. That does not add up. That does not line up with Scripture. The Holy Spirit gives you the tongues. He gives you the utterance. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And the Bible says this. Hallelujah. So you don't have to take classes. You don't have to waste your money being hoodwinked and and, 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 and talked into something that's not of God. You can pray and ask God to fill you with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And he will give to you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it is the Lord's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So, in Acts chapter 2, we see the fulfillment of the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise that Jesus made. Now, the apostles, they did great exploits in Jesus' name, which Jesus had also promised them. He said, the works that I do, you will do greater works. They saw Jesus walk on the water. They saw Jesus heal blinded eyes. They saw Jesus uh, 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 heal the lame, raise the dead. They saw Jesus turn water into wine. They saw Jesus feed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. They saw Jesus do miracles. But Jesus told them, he promised them, the works that I do, you will do greater works. Glory be to God. Now, I am certain that in their natural mind, before the Holy Spirit came, they did not understand how they were going to do anything remotely close to what Jesus was doing. But they didn't know about the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what am I saying to the church? The church that is a spirit-filled church, fire baptized in the Holy Ghost, will do the same work that Jesus did. Why? Because that's what Jesus said. Glory be to God. He said, in my name, you will cast out devils. Let me, let me turn there. Mark. Mark chapter 16. I, I like to give people scripture. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, hallelujah. This is what he said. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. This is the, uh, another promise that Jesus made. So 
My question is, why aren't we seeing this in our churches today? I'll tell you very, very plainly. Two reasons. Many churches are not spirit-filled churches, and many people don't believe these scriptures. That's the bottom line. It is because of unbelief that we're not seeing the power. And let me give you the third reason, also because of sin in the church. We're not seeing the power of God. Glory be to God. So those are the three reasons. Because many churches are not spirit-filled churches, because of unbelief, and because there's sin in the camp. That's why we're not seeing the power of God flowing, operating in the church. That's why people are afraid to step out on God's word and do what God said we would do. In his name, glory be to God. You see, the burden is not on us. The burden is on God. Glory be to God. But you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. you got to believe God's word, and you can't be walking in sin. You cannot. You cannot do the works of God in darkness. You cannot do it. It will not happen. Glory be to God. You remember the seven sons of Sceva, they tried it, and them demons, they tried casting out devils, and those demons turned on them. They said, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? And they whooped them. They jumped on them and beat them so bad, they beat the seven sons of Sceva out of their clothes. So you don't want to play with the devils. You don't want to play with the things of God. If you're not living right, you need not to try this. But the church is supposed to be holy. Jesus said, be ye holy, for I am holy. So, signs, wonders, and miracles followed everywhere the apostles preached. Now, throughout the years, God gave many tremendous outpourings of the Holy Spirit. And there have been countless noticeable revivals, even here in the United States. One of the greatest outpourings of revival here in the United States was Azusa Street Revival in 1905. And um, God used a black man by the name of William Seymour. This revival took place in Los Angeles, California. The fire from heaven fell in that Bonnie Bray Street church. And the people, they couldn't control it. They couldn't, they, they, they couldn't do anything with it because it did not originate with them. It came from heaven. Glory be to God. There was also the Brownsville Revival, and there was the Wall Street Revival. But I believe God is not through. I believe just what the Bible says. I believe that there will be another revival, and it will be the revival of revivals. I believe what was prophesied in Joel chapter 2 is yet to come to pass. So I want to read from Joel chapter 2. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. This is what it says. Blow, I'm reading starting at the 15th verse. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. 
called a solemn assembly. I'm going to do just what this scripture says. I'm going to blow the trumpet right now. I'm going to blow the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm. Glory be to God in the highest. Do you know that one year ago I couldn't even blow a shofar? I couldn't. But I bought one in faith, and then I asked the Lord to teach me how to blow it, and the Lord did just that. Hallelujah. At first I was getting a weak sound out of it, but I got a sound, and I kept sticking with it, and now God has taught me to blow the shofar. But the reason God taught me to blow the shofar is what blew my mind. He said, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm. He said, wake up the sleeping church. The church has been asleep and for many, many years. And if you don't believe me, turn with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 13, glory be to God. And we're going to see what Jesus said about the sleeping church. Matthew chapter 13, verse 25 says, But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Glory be to God. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, there appeared also the tares. So the servants of the householders came and said unto him, Sir, did we not sow good seed in thy field? This is a parable. Jesus is teaching using a parable. He said, From which hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. We know who the enemy is. The servant said unto, this, unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up, you root up the wheat also with them. He said, Let them both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them but gather the wheat into my barn. So this is a parable, but it's about the sleeping church, how the enemy has come in the church while men sleep. Glory be to God. So I blow the shofar to wake up the sleeping church. It's the sound of an alarm. Goes on to say, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, Assemble the elders, gather the children, and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord. Give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore, should they say among the people, where is their God? A similar passage to this is found in Second Chronicles 7.14. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray 
and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. I believe there's another revival that's going to take place. I believe there will be an end time outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days. And it will bring revival to the church like never before. I believe this. I believe this with all my heart. This revival, I believe, will also be uniquely different because it will be poured out on all flesh. Joel 2 gives us a description of it. And I'm going to read from this. Joel 2 and 28 says, And it shall come to pass afterwards. After what? After the repentance. So we cannot leave repentance out of the gospel message. Too many people are trying to lead people to Christ without leading them through repentance. We must repent. We must acknowledge our sin before the Lord. You have to repent. I had to repent. Everybody has to repent to come to the Lord. We've done wrong. We've sinned against God. So we have to repent. So Joel is saying, and it shall come to pass afterwards, after that solemn assembly, after the weeping of the priest between the porch and the altar, after we turn from our wicked ways, then he says, I will my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids, and in those days will I pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Glory be to God. This is a promise from God. This is a promise from God. It's futuristic, but every promise in this Bible shall be fulfilled because the word of God says the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him. Amen. So I am in expectation mode. So when I got this word from the Lord, uh, this prophetic word saying a very bright, expectation moving forward. I knew it was about Pentecost, and then I knew what Pentecost stood for, the outpouring. Glory be to God in the highest. So here I am. I am in full expectation mode. I'm like a pregnant woman, ready to give birth to what God is doing here in the earth. Glory be to God. I believe God. I believe God, and I take him at his word. And God wants his people to turn up 
our expectations because this is a new beginning. This is a new beginning. We just came through a pandemic. And if you're listening to the sound of my voice tonight, you survived. Glory be to God. We made it. It was no coincidence that we survived. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And what God is saying to us is wait on him as they did in the upper room. God wants to give another sudden outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He told me last week to stop praying for things, uh, tangible things. He said, pray for revival. Glory be to God. And I began to pray for revival even upon the prayer line. Glory be to God. So I want to thank God for what he has shown me. Now, another part of it is God said, forget ye the former things. He said, don't, 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 don't remember that. Don't, don't go back to that. He said, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, as usual, will be no more. Now, I, I, I need to qualify that. There are some churches that operate in a religious spirit. They, they, they have their rituals. They uh, have all these liturgies and, you know, all these things. They have the, uh, all these uh, just, just religious. They follow their traditions of men. And some people would rather die than to let go of those traditions of men because they say, this is how we've always done church. And those people who don't want to experience what God is doing in this hour, they will just hold on to their religious rituals and, and, and even die in them because there's no power in them. They're dead men walking already. But for those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, and you know that there is more to God, and you desire more than what you are currently receiving in your church, and you want to be filled, your cup is empty, and you want to be filled, hallelujah. Some people need a refill, glory be to God. And you are one of these type people you will experience this outpouring. You will experience this outpouring. All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. Jesus said, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, his name is Jesus, he said, he will give it to you. Whatever you ask the Father in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, it shall be done. Glory be to God. So we got to make sure that we are following what God is telling us to do. Now, when the prosperity preachers came on the scene, they distracted and deceived many of God's people, deceived them greatly, and um, the foundation of their faith was crushed. And they began to crumble as it rapidly deteriorated. Because, first of all, their message was one of wood, hay, and stubble. 
when the fire fell, many of the churches shut down. What what fire am I talking about? When COVID-19 hit. Yeah, when COVID-19 hit, many of the churches fell. They shut down one by one. And let me tell you something. God spoke to me about it. God spoke to me on April 13th of 2020. He said, many of the churches am shutting down, and they will never reopen because they have idols and false fire on the altar. Now, Leviticus 6 and 13 talks to us. It tells us about the fire on the altar. It says, the fire, the light in the temple must never go out. It was to burn perpetually. For many churches, fire has gone out, and some are just flickering. They're just flickering. And the temple, the light in the temple was never supposed to go out. So when they started, uh, when, when, when their fire went out, or they started using false fire, you know what they started doing? Instead of waiting on the Holy Ghost to come, and burn up sin that was on the altar, they started trying to manufacture a move of God. And what they did was they began to bring in false uh, things to make it appear as if it was the glory of God. They brought in smoke machines. They brought in cameras and videos. They put things up on the screen, and they tried to make it look like it was a move of God. It was not. It was just technology. It was just technology, the use of technology. And it was not a move of God, and it was no fire from God on the altar because the fire from God on the altar will burn up sin in your life. It will burn up the sin. It will consecrate you. but it wasn't real fire. It was what Nadab and Abihu tried to put in the censer. And the fire, God was displeased with it, with what they were doing, and the fire came out of the censers and burnt them up. So you cannot play with God. You cannot play with the things of God. You cannot manufacture a move of God. Glory be to God. So these false prophets came, and they prophesied to people. They told people, money coming. They told people, oh, if you give this, God's going to make you a millionaire. You know what they did? They bamboozled people. They literally wiped out people's savings. They were crooks. Wolves in sheep's clothing came in and raped, robbed, and pillaged the church. turn these false prophets loose on their congregation. They took people's life savings. They just literally robbed the people. They robbed them without a gun. So what we are witnessing today is the result of what God spoke. He pronounced judgment 
on those false prophets and those money cometh ministries because they operated in downright deceit. They literally coerced people to give them money. And they promised people lies. They promised them wealth. They promised they were going to be millionaires. And they promised them all sorts of things. But nobody got rich but them. They absconded with people's life savings, people's retirement money. Ezra, the priest, speaks of a free will offering. No trickery. Many of God's people were just downright bamboozled. And God saw it. And God was not pleased. And the Bible gives us a detailed account of the time when Nebuchadnezzar took Israel captive to Babylon for 70 years because of their sins. Jerusalem was almost completely destroyed, and the temple was gutted. Why? Because they had done evil in God's sight, and God sent word. He said prophet after prophet after prophet, and they would not correct themselves. So God allowed the king of Babylon, a heathen nation, to correct them. He used Nebuchadnezzar to bring correction to Israel. And when the judgment was over, God raised up those whose heart was for God and for his holy city, and they found favor with God. And God granted them permission to return to the holy city of God to rebuild. So Nehemiah and Ezra were two such men. They were both contemporaries. Nehemiah rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem in 52 days. And Ezra and Zerubbabel rebuilt the foundation. But this time, they built it on the right foundation. On Christ, the solid rock I all other ground is sinking sand. Glory be to God in the highest. And so God gave Israel a new beginning. And that's what tonight's message is, a new beginning. The Bible tells us if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation or new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You cannot swim in the ocean if you're holding on to the shore. You cannot. You cannot be new and old at the same time. Scripture tells us you cannot put new wine in old wineskins. God is the foundation, and he is laying it. And it's going to be, it is a foundation of holiness and righteousness. You see, sometimes people are so used, they're so hung up on their buildings, their church buildings. Oh, look at this, our building, it costs $10,000. And then somebody else votes, oh, our building, it costs $20, $20 million. I mean, $10 million. And then somebody else says, I would cost uh, $20 million. But God is not going to look at the size of your building. You pastors, you listen up. He's not looking at the size of your building. 
He's not looking at the decorations in the building. God wants to know what you did with this gospel and how many souls did you bring into the kingdom. So many people are boasting in their choir and their music ministry and their arts ministry, and they've got all this stuff. you got all this stuff. But where is the power of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit don't need none of that. So if you really want to see a move of God in your church, it must be a spirit-filled church. It must be built on the right foundation. It can't be built on a man. So many times people are worshiping their pastor and their bishop and their apostle, but we cannot worship man. The scriptures tell us put no confidence in the flesh. Put not thy trust in princes. Put not thy trust in man. Man will fail you. So many pastors fail during this pandemic. They've lost their faith. Why? Because they had, they boasted of all these people that they had in their church. And when the pandemic hit, all the people left. Now they can't get the people to come back. Can you not see, pastors, that God is doing what he said in Matthew chapter 13? He said, let the wheat and the tares grow together. He said, I'll do the separating at the harvest time. We are so much in the last days. Scripture gives us such an accurate description of what these last days would be characterized by. So we see these things. God allowed a lot of people. There's been a great falling away. Turn with me to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. There's been a great falling away. God has allowed so many people to leave, leave. But the scripture spoke of this. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And this is what it says. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Spirit of Antichrist is in the land. It's in the land. What do you think the LBGQT, what do you think that's all about? 
It's against Christ. What do you think all this gender bending? What do you think that's all, all about? And changing uh, the sexes and, 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 and whatever group you identify, that is all a position. And this is what the word says. To all that opposes and exalted himself. All of that is antichrist. God set everything in motion from the beginning of the world. He worked six days on the seventh day he rested. The Bible said he made male and female. He established that. That is established. And it cannot, it cannot be disestablished, except God disestablishes. And he's not going against his word. He said, man shall not lay with mankind as with womankind. So God is not going to go against his word. All of that is the spirit of Antichrist that is now in the land. It is prevalent. It is operating. The hatred of God is on the rise. But God said he's going to shake some things. Let's go over here to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Hallelujah. This is what he says. He said, yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. There's a shaking going on. There's a shaking going on. God used COVID-19 as part of the shaking, but there will be more shaking. People left the church. Why? Because they were never with us. There's a lot of people just go to church. they just church going. The devil go to church every Sunday. You know why? Because he's got to see what's going on in the church. So he puts his suit on. He puts his dress on. He goes in the church. He watches what the saints do. He started doing the same thing. He's a copycat spirit. But he's a cheap imitation. He's not a diamond. He is a cheap imitation. Comes to church every Sunday so he can see what's going on in the church. So we don't need to be moved by what we are seeing. We need to be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. If God has called you to do anything, you need to be found being faithful to the call of God on your life. Because he's coming. Jesus is coming. And he's coming back like a thief in the night. He's coming. Glory be to God. So God allowed a lot of people to leave the church Because he's sifting, he's sifting the church. He's removing the tares from the wheat. He's shaking us and only that which can remain will remain. 
purging and pruning his vineyard. He's getting out all the weeds. Glory be to God. Many of the mega messes, they had to shut down because they could no longer fleece the flock. The false prophets, they got mighty quiet during the pandemic. Now, before all you could hear was, money cometh, money cometh. It's your season. It's your breakthrough. Oh, God said you're about to become a millionaire. When the pandemic hit, they were like the false prophets, those five kings that ran and hid themselves in a cave. That's where they're at now. They're hiding in caves. But they have forgotten that God knows exactly where they are. And he will do to them exactly what was done to those five kings. This is a shakedown. So don't be, you pastors, don't be discouraged by who left your church. Matter of fact, you ought to be thanking God. You ought to be thanking God that he exposed those that were with him against those that were not. Don't be moved by that. You remember. See, some people caught up in numbers. Gideon started out with an army of 30,000 men. But God knew something that Gideon didn't know. God knew that everybody in that crowd, in that 30,000, everybody wasn't with Gideon. So God began to weed them out. And Gideon's army was reduced down to 300. And then God took them to fight the battle. Why? Because God said, if I'd let Gideon take 30,000, they would have said by their own strength they won the battle. God will never allow us to take what belongs to him, and the glory always belongs to God. So God let the number get ridiculously low so that he could show Gideon that I am for you and I am with you. Don't ever be moved by the size of your ministry. God, God is going to raise up some of these storefront churches that ain't got about five or six people in it. But the spirit of the Lord is in them, and he will do great exploits. And a lot of these mega messes, they are, that's just what they are, mega messes. They're all about entertainment. Oh, they put on a good show. They got the light, camera, and action. They make it look good. They got it all on the screen. And when you watch it, you know, when you watch it on like Facebook or if you watch it on YouTube, it looks like it's an awesome service, but it's all choreographed. Holy Spirit is nowhere to be found. You don't see a move of God taking place. Nobody's laying hands on the sick so that they can recover. Nobody's casting out an unclean spirit. You know why? They don't do that because they ain't got no power. They don't have any power. There's no power. God never told us to put on a show. He said, go ye 
into the hedges and highways and compel them to come in. Go to all nations and preach the gospel. Can I tell you something? The word of God is powerful all by itself because the Bible tells us in the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus said, I am the bread from heaven. Any man who eats this bread will never hunger again. So we don't have to have manufactured moves of God. But this is entertainment. This is what the people like. They want it to look good, look good on the camera. But then you say, well, where are the works? Jesus said, the works that I do, greater works shall ye do. Where are the works? Where are the signs, the wonders and the miracles? Where are the blind eyes being opened? Where are the lame getting up walking? I'm not talking about trickery. I'm talking about the real thing. Peter and John were going into the temple, and they encountered a lame man, and he was begging for money. He was lame from birth, and he was begging for money. This was the only way he could make a living, and he positioned himself outside of the temple. And the Bible says that when Peter and John were going up to to the temple to pray, it was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And this man asked an alms of them. And Peter and John said, look on us. And the man looked expecting to receive something. See, you got to have your expectations. And the only way you can have expectation turned up is that you believe God. You believe God said it, and God will do it, and that settles it. You're in anticipation mode. When you walk into the house of God, you say, I don't know what God is going to do today, but I believe God's going to show up. So Peter and John said, look on us. The man was expecting to receive something. And Peter and John said, we don't have any money. Silver and gold, we don't have. He said, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they lifted the man up, and immediately he received strength in his ankle. And the man began to walk at first, and then he began to leap and dance. And the man followed Peter and John into the temple. And everybody in the temple saw him. Ain't that that the man that was sitting out there begging? Yeah, that's him. And the Bible says everybody marveled at this great miracle. Peter and John got in trouble for it. They were taken before the magistrate. They were whipped, and they were told. They said, "What what authority did you do this? He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And you know what? They beat them and told them, 
don't preach or teach in that name anymore. Why? Because they understood there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Hey, there's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. <coughs> God. Is raising up his army. And his army consists of those who believe him. Those who believe his word will see the power and the manifestation of his word in this season. Now, when I began to study up on this thing, I learned something very powerful. I learned that according to the scripture, <clears throat> what the word season actually means. We know in Ecclesiastes 3, Verses 1 through 3 says, for everything there is a time and a season. And the word season means mo'kedim, mo'edim. That's the Hebrew word for season. But I listened to this Jewish man explain, because we think of season as winter, summer, spring, and fall. But in Hebrew, that's not what seasons are. The seasons in the Hebrew mean the seven appointed times that man was to appear before God. Glory be to God. I tell you, one of those seasons was Pentecost. Yeah, one of them, one of the seasons was Pentecost. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. There was the Feast of Wheat, the Harvest, uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. I probably won't get them all right. Um, the uh, First Fruits, uh, the uh, Feast of Tabernacles. And there were others. But Pentecost was one of those feasts. 
because Pentecost is the counterpart to Passover. Also, 50 days after the children of Israel left Egypt. Now, in the New Testament, Pentecost comes 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is when the church was birthed. So what is God saying? This is a new season. That means it's a new beginning. This is why God said in Isaiah, I am doing a new thing. And it is springing forth. Shall you not know it? The Bible tells us about the sons of Issachar who knew the times and the seasons. They knew the seven appointed times that they that the Jews were to appear or the Hebrews were to appear before God. They knew these things, and they kept these things. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Church, we got work to do. It's time for the church to arise and shine and give God the glory. It's time to let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and that God may be glorified. Time to get on God's page, and it's time out for asking God to get on our page. God is doing a new thing, and he is saying, don't look back. This is a new beginning. And I believe it began on Pentecost. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So I'm saying to the pastors, don't worry about the size of your church anymore. Don't worry about the number of people that are showing up. If you got 10 people, you get in there with those 10 people and y'all worship the Lord like you done lost your mind. If you ain't got but two people, Get in there and worship the Lord like you done gone crazy, like a madman. Because the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst there also. So we are not to focus on the external, but look at the internal because man looks at the outward appearance. Somebody will look at your church and say, oh, I ain't coming to that church. They ain't got but two or three members. But the Holy Ghost is in there. It's a spirit-filled church. They got power. They walk in authority. So don't be moved by the size of the crowd. Zechariah 4 and 10 says, despise not the day of small things. Don't despise what God is doing. Let God build your ministry. Let God build the church because God is going to build it on the right foundation, which is Jesus Christ. God can't use your flesh. God can't use what man has built. He can't use it. So this is a new beginning. This is a new beginning for the people of God. 
time to get real and to get right with God. Jesus Christ alone must be our foundation because only what we do for Christ will last. And I'm going to tell you something. There is an agenda that's being passed around. It's being spread. It's spreading like wildfire to nations. And they are going after our children. They are trying to indoctrinate our children. It's a nasty agenda. It's filthy. It is corrupt. It is wicked. And they are investing billions of dollars into this antichrist movement because they are trying to indoctrinate our children into this diabolic and destructive lifestyle of death. Now, what they do is they put their money where their mouth is. So they have invested billions of dollars into these lies, into the spread of these lies. They want children to believe that you can be born a girl and change your sex to a boy. They want them to believe you can be born a boy and change your sex to a girl. The devil is still a liar and the father of lies. And they are investing so much money to pervert our children, and to indoctrinate them into their wicked lifestyle. They actually want a perverse generation. They want a whole generation to be perverted. So they are going after our children. Now, what we have to do is we've got to wake up the church and we have got to be the church. We've got to say enough is enough. We're not going to stand for this. We're not going to allow drag queen story hour. We're not going to have this foolishness. We're not going to have our children taught these things because we know they are ungodly things. And in the first place, you can't, you can't change the DNA. You can't change chromosomes. You cannot. But they're tampering with all of that. And this artificial intelligence, they're tampering with all of the things that are sacred and holy and that belong to God. God is sovereign. He alone is the giver of life. This transhumanism, it's not of God. It's not. But they invest their money into the advancement of the kingdom of darkness. So the children of light must invest our money into the kingdom of God. We've got to do it. We've got to launch a counterattack. We've got to go after our children. We've got to take back what belongs to God. The rainbow does not belong to them. 
We got to take back our children. We got to take back our schools. We got to take it back. We got to build God's kingdom. We got to build up the kingdom of God. And it starts at home. Parents, teach your children the Ten Commandments. If you don't teach them anything else, teach your children the Ten Commandments. Teach them the Word of God and what it means. Because if you, your children come here as a blank slate, and we write on their slate the minute they get here. And you can either write good, what is good, and what is right on their slate, or you can write bad, what is evil, what is wicked on their slate. But I can promise you one thing. If you as a parent do not write the word of God on their slate, the devil will have no problem writing his perverted, wicked, and lies on their slate, and their slate is their heart. You might not be a Bible teacher, but you can teach your children the Ten Commandments. Did you notice that was one of the first things they took down here in America? Why? Because it's God's law. He wrote it with his own finger. And it is innate. It is written on man's heart. But there's a generation who's never heard it. So they had to take it down so that they won't hear it. So they took it down off every government building. But you as a parent have a responsibility to teach it at home. That's where it starts. It starts at home. Pray with your children at home. You see all these kids go to school, they have these school shootings, and they don't come back home. I wonder how many of those parents had prayed with their children or prayed over their children that morning before they went off to work or before those children left their house for school. I conducted a survey at three Christian schools when I was getting my doctorate, I needed to get this data for my dissertation. And I went to three Christian schools and conducted a survey. And one of the questions on my survey was, do you have prayer at home with your parents? 95% of those students responded. No, and these were students in Christian schools. They said they don't. They, there's no prayer going on in their home. Well, therein lies the problem. There's there there's the problem. This is why Second Chronicles seven and fourteen says, "If my people." which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. You say, well, they can't pray at school. So you don't have to pray at school. Pray at home. 
Keep the kids at home. Gather your children together, parents, in the morning and pray with them. Gather them together at night and thank God that everybody made it back home safely. Pray over your children because you don't know if they go out that door if you'll see them again. You don't know if you'll make it back home or if they will. We have a responsibility. It is a tremendous responsibility. Paul told Timothy, I know that you have been taught the scriptures. I am persuaded that the word is in you. For you were taught by your mother and your grandmother, Lois and Eunice. They taught him the scriptures. Timothy became one of the ministers. He's a pastor. Paul taught him. He's one of Paul's spiritual sons. But his mother and his grandmother laid the foundation. They laid a biblical, spiritual foundation. God has given us a new beginning. We have to take advantage of this. We have to take advantage of what God is doing. We must let our light shine. And I believe that is why God is equipping us. We got to let our light shine so we can give glory to God. Glory, hallelujah. And God is saying to the church, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, people of God. Don't be afraid to stand up and speak out. If you don't agree with their wicked agenda, speak out. Say, I don't agree with that. I disagree with that. I saw today where a little boy was suspended from school because he wore a shirt to school that said there are only two genders. There are only two genders. He was sent home because of that. And he was a kid himself. But see, his parents are teaching him. They're teaching him at a young age so that he won't be confused by all this confusion that's going on. Because that's what it is. It's the spirit of confusion. But Satan is the author of it. Because God is not. So we got to take this new beginning. Because either we're going to continue in the same manner and just sit back and murmur and complain, or we're going to take our rightful place. We're going to receive this outpouring from the Lord. We're going to become spirit-filled, powerful, take stand in our authority, and operate according to it and not let the enemy just run all over us. Or we're going to just lay down and let the devil just have his way. And I promise you, he will do just that. 
Somebody's got to say no. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we got to have a made-up mind. It cannot be, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to church, and that ought to be enough. No, that's not enough. That's not enough. A lot of people going to church going to go to hell. I just had to say it. A lot of people that's just going to church, they're just visitors, really. Because it really, it, it is the spirit of tradition because God is not in them. They're not going after God. They're not hungry. They're not thirsting for God. They just want to check off, check it off their list and say, oh, I went to church today. I did my good deed. Be not deceived, people of God. There's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's taking place. There's a river flowing, and I would encourage you to get in this river. Let the Holy Spirit sweep you away in him. Fill you. Fill your cup till it overflows. And you walk in the power and the authority that God has given you. The last scripture that I'm going to give you tonight comes from Luke 10 and 19. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And this is what it says. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, the first word, it says, behold, I give unto you power. That word is exousia. And it means authority. And then the second one says, over all the power of the enemy, that's dunamis. And that word comes from the word, that's where we get the word dynamite from. So God has given us power, which is authority, and dunamis, which is dynamite. So we have both power and authority. So we are without excuse. We are without excuse. Are without excuse. Pray and seek the Lord for this outpouring in your church, in your home, and in your family. Ask God to fill your family with the Holy Ghost. Because I'm telling you something, in this day and time, you're going to need the power of the Holy Ghost. You're not going to make it without it. You're not going to make it. You're not going to be able to serve God. You won't be able to commit to God without the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. God said, don't be afraid. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So 
people scared of the Holy Ghost. But I'm going to tell you something. The Holy Spirit will be your friend. He will lead, teach, and guide you into all truth. He will direct you in the path of holiness and righteousness. Some people are afraid of that. He will also convict you of sin. Now, that's the only reason you need to be afraid. You don't plan on living right. You need to be afraid. But then you don't have to worry because if you don't plan on living right, Holy Spirit's not going to live or dwell in an unclean temple. So you don't have to worry about that. So we need to submit to God and begin to seek him for the Holy Spirit so you can have this new beginning that I'm talking about tonight. God is doing a new thing, and he wants his people to have a new beginning in him. Amen? May God bless you. This is Evangelist Janet Taylor coming to you live from Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry International. You can find us on the web at www.wallsoffiredeliverancemin.com. Join us for the sweet hour of prayer, Monday through Saturday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, and on Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The phone number is 425-436-6333, and our code is 7165050 followed by the pound sign. If you've been blessed by this ministry and you feel led to sow into this ministry, first of all, I want to make sure you feel led by the Holy Spirit. If you feel led by the Holy Spirit to sow into this ministry, you can sow a seed by PayPal, or through Zelle. And the email address to use is jet245 at msn.com. We want to give God all of the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise. And I do want to give a shout-out tonight to Apostle Emmett Overton. Today is his birthday. So may God bless him, and we just thank God for this man of God. He is a mighty man of God, and we give God praise for Apostle Emmett Overton. This is Evangelist Janet Taylor signing out tonight. I bid you Godspeed, and I pray blessings upon you. In Jesus' name, amen.